Welcome to See You Next Tuesday. I'm Jade Chung. Being a play-by-play commentator has to be one of the toughest jobs. Toughest and important job. I could try to do it, but let me tell you, I will fail miserably. I try to do it like on my own for fun. Mm -mm. It doesn't even work. If you're just not good at it, you're not good at it. I tried doing it on my own and just calling wrestling. It's hard. It's hard. And so when you find that commentator who just blows you out of the water, let me tell you, they truly make the match. The whole show. I'm stoked to have my friend on here. You may know him as the voice of Alpha One Wrestling here on Ontario, Canada, but he's also the voice of OHL Hockey. Let's get to know him better because not only is he a great broadcaster, but he is a fine human being. With me tonight is Canada's hidden gem. That's right, guys. Hidden gem. Because if you don't know him, you definitely need to. And you definitely need to search him out. You need to listen to him because he is the bomb. Welcome, my friend, Reed Duthie. Reed, thank you so much for coming onto my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And, and quite honestly, it's just great to hear your voice again. After a year and a half, it's uh, been far, far far too long at this point yes oh my god my voice like your voice i bet you anyone who hasn't listened to you yet was just blown away just by your tone of voice right now and let me tell you guys we're gonna talk about reed a lot more we're gonna find out a lot more about reed because like i just said he is the bomb okay reed let's start off hot you do commentary for wrestling and for the ohl Yes. Ontario yep. Hockey League, for those who <laughs> who may be Americans who don't know the OHL. But you do commentary for the Hamilton Bulldogs, correct? Yes, I do. We are the largest uh, supplier of talent to the National Hockey League in the OHL. So anyone that's ever watched the NHL, uh, chances are you have multiple players that have come through our league on your favorite team. Whoa, I did not know that. Well, it's a huge, huge team to work for. Right? <laughs> That's yeah, it's it's one of those things that I look around and there's uh, 60 junior hockey teams of, of our level in all of North America. And I'm one of the people that gets to one of 60 that, that gets to do this job. So it's uh, something that I always wanted to do. And the fact that I get to be the voice of hockey in my hometown is just absolutely spectacular. And the fact that I work for uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Steve Steos, who a lot of hockey fans may know, folks that are wrestling fans wouldn't. He played for my favorite team, the Boston Bruins, when I was growing up. So, uh, And, of course, he's probably better known as uh, one of the, the top players with the Edmonton Oilers for a long run. But I remember him as a kid with Boston. So getting to work with him now uh, is almost surreal that I, I grew up knowing that this guy from Hamilton was on my team. and. It's, it's, you got to pinch yourself every day when you go into the office. No kidding. That's so awesome to hear. So then did you always, you started off 
obviously with hockey commentary, right? Yeah. Okay. But not, you didn't start off in the OHL. Was it not just recently? Um, well, re- recently, uh, in, in a, in a manner of speaking, cause I, I've been doing commentary professionally for, uh, I'll be going into my 13th year as oh of, my gosh. um, yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, people, you know, when, when they call you the best kept secret, it, it's, it's great in year three, when you're in year 13, you just want somebody to tell the dang secret already. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, I, I started with. So when I was at Mohawk College, I took the broadcasting program there, which is an awesome school. If anyone listening is thinking about being a broadcaster in Canada, Mohawk College in Hamilton is spectacular. Uh, I started there doing the in-house feed of when the Hamilton Bulldogs were an American Hockey League team uh, related to the Montreal Canadiens. And I did every game, every home game that season. And I did it as a volunteer while setting up my own announce booth which, by the way, was not in the fancy, nice, beautiful gondola that I sit in to call <laughs> games now. It was actually the upper bowl of the stands, uh, and, and I had to set up all my own equipment. But that gave me the jumping point. And then from there, I went to a, a, tel- a local television station, started right back down at the bottom doing junior B hockey, and worked my way up through Allen Cup, which is senior A guys that played in the NHL. Some of them have filtered onto there. And then worked my way back up to doing AHL at that level. And then when the AHL Bulldogs became the OHL Bulldogs, that's when I became the, the voice of the team. That was 2015. Wow. Holy cow. So like you got a big resume already. Holy. It's, it's and- been a long road to get here. <laughs> and uh, I look back at some of the stuff that I've done and, and literally I was that guy who any offer that I got, um, except for one, uh, I, I jumped at. Um, I, I did everything from baseball, hockey, football, um, rugby. Uh, I did women's roller derby for a time, which was, I was skeptical and I had a blast doing that. I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat, uh, boxing, mixed martial arts. I did the first, uh, two mixed martial arts shows in Hamilton after it was legalized in Ontario. I think mm. it was actually the second and third shows in the province. When oh, they wow. when it was legalized, so oh yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy ride. No kidding. And then where did wrestling fit in? Like, where did how did you were you always a fan? And then you had the opportunity, and then how so, did you get into it? Yeah. Okay. So I, I I'm a fan going back to uh, so I'm I'm in '88. So probably my earliest memories are watching. Uh, I, I vividly remember as a kid watching Demolition as a three-man tag team and like watching WCW Saturday night at, at my parents' house. And um, from there on, uh, I, I was always a fan, but there was never, I never knew anybody that had any ins in wrestling. I didn't know how to get into uh, being a, an announcer for wrestling. I, I always wanted to. I loved, I mean, I've, I've idolized uh, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross and um, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, one of the best uh, announced teams of all time. And Alpha One in 2011 was looking for an announcer. At least I got the word that they were looking for an announcer. And I happened to message them and say, you know, hey, I've been doing this for, at that time, I think th- three years I'd been a play-by-play guy. 
And mm. I'd done mixed martial arts and I, I was dying to, to break into wrestling. And I came to find out later that it was Ethan Page who got my um, message and invited me to come down and essentially try out as, um, as the play-by-play guy for Alpha One Wrestling. And I've been there ever since. <laughs> yeah, because she's so good, you guys. I mean, um, most recently you did Glory Pro's latest show, right? Yes, uh, the guys at Glory Pro, uh, they guess they know and I've been on the shelf for a while and I've been talking to uh, the promoters down there for a long, long time. We've always wanted to do something together. And they got to a point where they said, look, we're not going to do live uh, broadcasts anymore. Um, I think there's just too many headaches and hiccups with that. And mm-hmm. the run times can go on forever. And if you have any sort of snafu, so they were going to edit them in post-production at that point. They said, well, it makes sense. We can't fly you to St. Louis every month, but we could send you the video and have you do the play-by-play. And I jumped all over it. So I did their, their last show at the, uh, um, it, it, sorry, in St. Louis, and that was probably one of my favorite shows in a long time. Uh, Josh Alexander and Mike Outlaw. If anybody has not seen that match, you need to see that match. It is thirty minutes of absolute chaos, and uh, <laughs> right away, I, I said it on Twitter. It immediately became one of my top, easily top fives that I've ever called. I'd never called a Mike Outlaw match before. Um, that guy blew me away, and it, it, it's no secret to you. I've been calling Josh Alexander the best bell-to-bell wrestler on the planet for probably <laughs> seven, eight years at this point. Finally, people are agreeing with me, but it, it took long enough. Mm-hmm. Took long enough, that's for sure. Now, is it hard to call wrestlers that you don't know? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 difficult because... If I haven't called them, I don't really have a, a rhythm for how they uh, how they move in the ring and, and how they transition into different moves. Um, I can probably tell you, you know, Josh Alexander, Ethan Page, Ricky Shane Page, uh, Brett Michael David, Mark Wheeler. I, I could almost call how they're going to progress through certain parts of a match. Whereas if I'm seeing somebody for the first time, it's literally reacting exactly on the spot to everything they do. And again, with somebody like Mike outlaw, you can get completely blown away that way. Uh, Another one that did that for me was Cody lane. The first time I saw Cody lane just, uh, you know, shot me through the roof at the the potential that this kid has. And it, it is more difficult until you get a background on them. I try to do as much research as I can on them and watch as many matches as are available, but there's no substitute for actually, calling their match yourself so that's Mm. that's something that i I really i like doing it with guys that i've never called before but uh it definitely is far more difficult and speaking of difficulties have you ever been paired with somebody who isn't so what's the word isn't so comfortable with play-by-play um ever have you ever had to like kind of take the reins or how how did you make you know, your broadcasting partner feel comfortable? You know, not, not so much for wrestling. I don't think I've had anybody call matches with me that I can remember off the top of my head where I I really had to pull it out of them. I mean, I've had some great uh, broadcast partners. I've worked with Kingdom James, who 
is is one of my favorite broadcast partners. Like that guy, uh, the the problem with that was he could make me laugh so quickly that I had to be so careful when I was working with him because I'm trying to put him over as a heel, and he would say things that just absolutely cracked me up. Uh, he was great. Uh, Manny Mello was was great to work with. Um, Stokely Hathaway is another one that again, mm. uh, it was so hard to. He he'd be trying to to get me going, almost like a Bobby Heenan on commentary, and he's such a nice guy that it was so hard to fire back at him. It was, but it, it was great. I, I loved every second of working with him. In in other sports, I have had that experience, and the easiest way to do it is just once you notice somebody is really getting nervous, and you don't. The thing is, you don't know until you're live on the air. Everybody will tell you before they go on that they're going to be nervous, but a lot of times people just break through that and and they're great. I have had a couple of times where people have frozen up and the easiest thing to do, and it, it sounds simple, but you've got to really try to get them into the conversation. And if all else fails, if you can't warm them up that way, you got to go to commercial, throw it to break, whatever you have to do to get the commercial and just get them to breathe. Okay. Now you've been through the intro. You've been through the hardest part. Now we're just describing the action. And, and that always seems to work. I've never had anybody that was really uh, pulling teeth that I, I didn't enjoy working with, but I have had some that you get to the beginning and the light goes on and you're going and they just freeze. And oh, it's no. like, okay, all right, let come on, come on. And sometimes they, they get around to it. And um, I've had a few that have been one-offs that just didn't want to come back and do it again because oh, they froze no. up. But I, it's, it's, part of the, it's, it's part of the job. Some people just don't like talking on camera or anything recorded. So yes. they, they, <laughs> just, they just don't have a good time with it. I, I'm... I don't know why I do, but I've always had fun with it. So you don't get nervous at all? Oh, no, I get nervous before every show. But I use that for energy. Right, right. I've, I've never frozen up that I can remember on camera. I did have one that was actually funny. Uh, we were doing an, an OHL uh, broadcast in Hamilton. And my longtime broadcast partner, Troy Islikar, who was, uh, you, you'd remember him. He was the MC at my wedding. Mm, yes. And he's a, he's an awesome guy. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's as funny as you could possibly imagine, especially when you get him off the air and we're getting set to go. And they turn the, the light on that was over top of the camera. They had to, to light us. Otherwise the, the area around us was too dark. When they turned the light on, it hit me right in the eyes oh, no. and I blanked. <laughs> I forgot where I was, what I was doing there. And what was about to happen? So I turned to Troy and we've got our producer in our head counting down 10, nine, eight. Oh, no. And I said to him, what are we doing? He thought I was kidding. And he started <laughs> laughing. I said, no, no, seriously, what are we doing? He said, we're Bulldogs hockey. I said, no, no, I get that. We're in the arena. What part of the game is it? He said, we're doing the intro. Oh, okay. Who are we playing? So, oh no. He gave so me that. Gonna... And then I got the two one. I did the intro. We got the commercial. And I just turned to him and said, I had no idea what happened. 
I totally <laughs> blanked. I have no idea if anything in that intro made any sense. I just needed to get back to commercial. And I watched it back. I did all right. It certainly wasn't a, a, a banner intro for me. I kind of limped through it. But it was just one of those moments where something crazy happens and it's just, uh-oh, I don't know where to go from here. You were just, oh, what, what's that movie? Men in Black. There you go. Yes. That's what happened to you. <laughs> they hit me with the blinky thing. There you go. <laughs> and I was gone. I, I was totally lost. And I'm so glad that I had Troy with me, who he and I had been working together for so long at that point that he at least knew how to cover for it as well. And he could kind of extend his points so that I could kind of regain what I was doing. But yeah, if that had been somebody less experienced, that would have been a disaster to start the show. <laughs> so right now with Canada kind of slowly, very, very, very slowly getting back to normal what state is the ohl in right now uh actually things uh finally and, and I'll, I'll knock on wood when i say this are, are getting back to a state of near normalcy so mm-hmm. we've done our uh draft for uh, new 16 year old players coming into the league uh this week actually today as we're talking we just announced our home opener against the Barry Colts for October. And tomorrow, the entire league schedule will be released. Oh, that's big. It is, because last summer, there were no dates. There was no, there was always a tentative kind of far out there. We're going to try to start at this date, and then they'd move Mm -hmm. it back. This year, there's actually been dates put to this, and it feels much more like there's commitments that have been made. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it does have that feeling that we're, I think our home opener is 103 days away. Uh, it, it feels like we're actually going to get there this time, where last July it was kind of touch and go. I, I have a very good feeling uh, about where we're headed for the OHL this season. Amazing. Yeah, definitely with a schedule to look at, something to look forward to, right? I remember, I think it was a few months ago, I had messaged you and I think I asked about the OHL and see how things were going for you. And you were so, uh, you were so heartbroken because I think there was a, a date for a game. It was something. And then within like 24 hours, it just got ripped away from you. Yeah, so the it, it looked like we had um, something happening where the the Quebec League kind of did a, a partial season where they had to pause it several times. The Western League did like bubble seasons where they still got 20-some-odd games in. They didn't really do a playoff, but at least they played. Our hope was kind of the same thing, that we were going to get 20, maybe 30 games in, and it would have been sort of a regional bubble type setup. And just as it looked like we were about to get going is when the last lockdown hit. Right. And it okay. was, there might've been 48, I don't even think it was 48 hours. It might've been 36 hours in between. It looked like everything was going to go and then everything was dead. Mm. And for us, it kind of threw us all into a state of, where do we go from here? Because at some point, I mean, 
I, I'm not naive. If this thing was going to continue on indefinitely, they can't keep the league shut down forever or else it's going to fold. And that was something that was, I didn't think, I can't imagine hockey without the Ontario Hockey League and the, the Canadian Hockey League as a whole. But at some point, you had to wonder, like, are we going to lose teams? Are we going to lose the league? Am I not going to have a job to come back to? Mm -hmm. It was getting kind of scary. And uh, I cannot say enough about uh, Steve Steos, Ian Mahar, Jeff Elia, all with the Hamilton Bulldogs who have kept, and, and of course, our owner, Michael Andlauer, who is amazing, um, who have kept me in the loop on this. They've kept me informed. And uh, at every point along the way where I might have gotten discouraged or was getting discouraged, they have reinforced that I am somebody that the organization really wants and needs to have moving forward. So they've been right there to have my back this whole way. So at, at the very least, I can, I can say nothing but positives for my guys. I know some people haven't had been as lucky as I have to have that same sort of support. But um, for the Hamilton Bulldogs, I can't say enough good things. Oh, that makes me that makes me so happy to hear all that. You just you love you love your job. You love doing play by play, and I'm I'm very happy that they love you that much. Yeah, and and they they have kept me in the loop every step of the way, and we have got. Uh, unfortunately, I can't uh, talk about them just yet, but we've got some very very cool things coming this season for uh, social media, broadcasting. Uh, there's a lot in the works for uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs that uh, we're going to turn this thing into. My goal is to, to make this feel like an NHL team at the junior level. And I've got oh. a group of people that are working with me that are determined to do the same thing. So we're going to push this thing as far as we can. Oh, I love that. Well, I can't wait to hear. And as far as wrestling goes, we're just, uh, <laughs> we don't know anything about, about independent wrestling here in Ontario yet. No. And that's, um, that's a tough one because if the borders can't open, then half the alpha one roster can't come up, which <laughs> makes it very, very difficult. I mean, you could still have the core pieces that you would need to run a show. But, yeah. well, I say that, and you can't have Ricky Shane Page, so that kind of takes that argument away. <laughs> um, Gotta have RSP. <laughs> oh, I, I can't. At this point, I can't imagine Alpha One without him and, and doing those shows without Ricky. Um, so I'm, I'm very lucky that Glory Pro got a hold of me. They've got two coming up in, in July and August, including one with Eddie Kingston. First time in a long time I get to call Eddie Kingston in action, which I'm very excited for. Ricky Shane Page is going to be on that show as well, Down with the King, August 22nd. So I, I'm super excited for what Glory Pro's got going on. I just hope that something gets going here in Ontario uh, before too long. I, I miss it horribly being uh, behind the desk for those shows. And even when Jeff Cobb accidentally tries to break my ribs with a table. Uh, is it, were you there for that one? No. Three-way dance, so. TJP. Jeff Cobb and oh, oh yeah, I was there then. Okay, I'm trying to remember who the third one was in that match. If that was the and, only time that TJ was there, then I was there for that. Yeah, it was the yeah. It's been the only time in a long time TJ was there. 
And it's the only time that we've had Jeff Cobb too, who I had. So I grew up as an amateur wrestler as well as a hockey player. Oh, Jeff Cobb. Oh yeah. Oh, I love amateur wrestling. Jeff Cobb is like an idol for me in terms of that, because there are not too many people that I've ever seen pull off a Corellan twist. Cobb is one of them. It is one of the coolest moves. If you've never seen Alexander, the experiment Corellan from Russia, the guy started his um, senior wrestling career at the 1987 world championships. He won gold every year until the Sydney Olympics in 2000. The guy was, he was built in a lab to, to be an amateur wrestler and he invented several moves, but I was so pumped for Jeff Cobb and I'm calling the match. It was an amazing, it's still, again, another one that's way up my list of matches I've called. And at some point during the match, Cobb gets canned to the outside. He's standing in front of my table and I see TJP hit the ropes. And I thought TJP with force, 260 pound, Jeff Cobb, not good. Oh no. He hit Cobb with a suicide dive. Cobb comes flying back into the table. The table catches me, Ugh. and all that's behind me is the brick wall. Yeah. So I got and there's the not much the- space. There's not not there's no space. Oh no. Where you and the wall is either. So it's like a this is a tight squeeze. <laughs> I had I had two choices. As I explained to a couple of the guys in the back, I either fall out of my chair and try to regain my breath on the floor, or I attempt to talk and finish calling the match. And then go ask my wife who was, yes, it ha- you had to have been there because Celine yeah. was, was with Jet. Yeah, and and yep. come and ask my wife for Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> they said, what did you do? I said, I finished calling the match. Oh my gosh, see? Woke right? up the next so day. Crazy. Woke up the next day with a giant bruise across my ribs. Oh my goodness. But at the end of it, Jeff Cobb uh, was very apologetic. Actually, he stopped in the middle of the match to apologize, which is, it's, it's no... It's, it, wasn't your fault. And then I got a picture with him in the back. So there was no chance I was feeling any pain coming out of that one. Yeah. (laughs) And so you guys can get a visual um, where the hard cam is, is where the guys do their dives, but where they do their dives, even the aisle way for that is short, very short. And it's also narrow. Yep. And then at the end there is Reed (laughs) right under the hard cam. Yep. (laughs) He's right there. So yes, like you mentioned with TJ's force um, and then with Cobb being there. Yeah. There There was no stop in that freight train. No, (laughs) I saw it coming and there was nothing I could do about it. And since you brought up Celine, we have to praise her because, Oh my goodness. She helped me so much. So after I had Jets, I still wanted to be in wrestling, obviously, because I've missed it so much. And it's it's a huge change to, you know, transitioning from wrestling, being a manager to just cut cold turkey, not be a part of it and just be 100% a mom. It was hard. And thankfully, Ethan Page brought me on to do backstage stuff for Alpha One Wrestling. Which you were great and, at, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I It stressed me out, but like I loved doing it. It was just, um, yeah, it, it was crazy. That's all I could say. That's, that's, that's 
all I would ever say to like Slyn, I'm sorry, I'm crazy. Like I was also always <laughs> so frazzled, but I loved doing it. And um, everybody was great. So what I did was I did, um, and a lot of people don't know this. I did their Twitter account during the show. So I did the live tweets and I did the photos backstage that day um, and some up some of the hype ups. Anyway, Celine Reed's wife would come to the show to help out and babysit Jet for me uh, whenever I had to run off. And it, it's it's not easy. It was not easy looking after Jet because he was a very picky eater. And not only that, he was like when he was younger, he was exclusively breastfed. So which made it even harder because you know, she just, she loved cuddling him and she was able to cuddle him to sleep, which was, oh, which was huge because him and sleep, they do not go together and they <laughs> still don't like, he's a terrible sleeper. Anyway, Slynn helped so much and she was able to allow me to continue to do something that I love and continue to be involved in wrestling in, in, in this way. So Celine, thank you. Reed, you're going to give her a big squeeze for me again, right? When we're done with this podcast. <laughs> oh, you better believe it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'll add on to that because the, the funny thing was, I don't remember why she came to the show the first time. And obviously you guys had met, you guys had been at our wedding. So it's not like you were unfamiliar. And yeah. it, it just like instantly it just worked so well because Celine uh, adores kids. She adores you and, oh. and, and loves jet to death. But one of the funniest things was she is not a wrestling fan, or I shouldn't say that now she didn't used to be her, her entire knowledge of wrestling was she really thought that John Cena and the rock were hot. That was, <laughs> that, that was her knowledge of wrestling. And I kept telling her about the guys in Alpha One. And, you know, you got to watch Ethan. You got to watch Josh. You got to watch Ricky. You got to watch BMD. And finally, she did watch a few matches while she was there. And, of course, it's any time now somebody asks me, I'm a wrestling fan. I want to get into Alpha One. Where do I start? Um, pick a Josh Alexander match and go with it. Um, <laughs> she watched one of Josh's matches. I think it might have been Iron Man against Kobe. Oh, gosh, yeah. And she said to me after... That was like, how does he do that? I said, see, I told you. And now suddenly, <laughs> anytime anybody that she knows from Alpha One is on, she will watch every second of that match, the promo, whatever. And oh. it's great now, obviously, seeing guys that have gone on to AEW or gone on to Impact and mm -hmm. you know become tag and X Division champions, not to name anyone in particular. <laughs> but um, it's, it's so cool to see that now that she's kind of taken to it a, a little bit more just from that experience. And then of course the four of us just got even closer after that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. And let me tell you, I was listening to, I went to go pick up my phone today and I was listening to humble and kind from Tim McGraw. And the first time I heard that song was actually at your wedding. Yes. And obviously Josh and I danced to it and I just, I fell in love with it. And so every time I hear that song, just the memory of the day of your wedding. And it was just, it was such a good time. We me, danced. Me it was Garrett oh. strut on the way in. <laughs> yes. I have a picture of that too. Oh, good. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was my groomsmen who were my my two best friends growing up and my brother. Uh, the night before, we were uh, drinking Sam Adams and, and Johnny Walker whiskey until oh. some sort of ungodly hour in the morning, which we got in trouble for later. And uh, because somebody, I can't remember which one of them, Dave or Mike, uh, one of them put up a video of us pushing one of them along the hallway floor of the hotel in a luggage cart like a bobsled. So oh my that was <laughs> But... Um, so they, they dared me and, and said, there's no way, because I always did that as a kid, uh, the, the Jarrett uh, Tennessee two-step. I was a big Jeff Jarrett yeah. fan. And they said, there's no way you will do that walking it. Oh, yeah? I absolutely will. I didn't oh, tell Solid. <laughs> oh, no. So <laughs> I don't think she knew what was about to happen or why it was happening. But, yeah, for those guys, I had to do it. I had to do it. And uh, I, I don't regret it. But. I'm sure the picture looks great. <laughs> what did Celine say? Um, she just said, why? Why did that have to happen? <laughs> I said, ask them. I faded the heat. I put it all on the, the guys down the table. There you go. Good for you. <laughs> it's one thing I've learned from being in wrestling. Fade the heat. No, they told me to do it. It was everybody else's fault. It had nothing to do with me. Plus, you're the groom. So you're, you know. You're good. You're good. I should have had some be getting way. in trouble. That's it. <laughs> we were early for pictures. I should have bought myself some goodwill with that. <laughs> oh, how about we break to play a game? Uh-oh. Does that sound good? Yeah. <laughs> there was a long pause there, and I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't want to play games. I don't know. <laughs> What 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 game? What game are we thinking here? <laughs> We're gonna do this or that. Oh, I like All this right. game. Good. Okay, so then I don't have to explain it. Pretty easy. Okay, the first this or that is knowledge or imagination. Ooh. Um. You know, I'm gonna go imagination. Oh. See, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Knowledge is good, but man, imagination when it comes to Jet, he is incredible. He blows me away with his imagination, and I love it. So you know what? I love that you chose imagination. I, I love the, the knowledge, and you know, obviously listening to me on commentary, people have probably heard the, me just spew historical knowledge that I've uh, put together over years of being a wrestling fan, but um, it would be nothing if you didn't have the imagination of how to tell the stories. And Ooh. that's how I take every time I'm behind the mic, no matter what sport I'm calling, I'm the narrator. If I'm just telling you in a, in a monotone, exactly what's happening, you're going to turn the channel in about five seconds. Right. But if you have the imagination to be able to tell the story and tell why it's happening, that I think is the difference in, in commentating and between being a, a, a solid one and being a very good one is, is having the imagination to be able to know when to change your tone, know, you know, when to go up and down. And, uh, I, I was always uh, like, I, I grew up, so I, I was always a big sports fan, played sports, but I was a comic book nerd as well. So I I've always had the outsized imagination from reading those. So that that's probably why I would go, uh, the imagination route. Nice. 
yes, you you do have a lot of knowledge. I have a photographic <laughs> memory, which helps. <sighs> Crazy. I don't even remember what I did like two weeks ago sometimes. See, the so. <laughs> funny thing is I couldn't tell you what I ate for breakfast, but <laughs> when I called Ricky Shane Page and Greg Iron in the dog collar match, I could tell you the best three dog collar matches I'd ever watched. Oh my gosh. I, insane. I don't know how, oh my God, I still, I don't know how Greg is still like walking or alive. Oh. That was, that's, I, there are very few times I've ever been scared during a match. That was one of them. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I know those guys very... I love both of them to death. And I know that they know what they're doing. But when I saw Greg get that one, and I just looked, and I, he was just pouring blood. And I thought, uh-oh, yeah. this is bad. And again, from not just doing uh, pro wrestling, but doing mixed martial arts, even a little injury can... What seems like a little injury at the time can be something very bad later when you find out that one looked bad right from the beginning. Mm. And I was so happy. I thought that they were going to have to call the match. I was so happy. Not only they were able to finish it, but seeing Greg after he was okay. Yeah. So and he was that one, covered. He was covered. Oh man. Yeah. That, that was, there's probably maybe three times I've ever been scared during a match. That was one of them. What were your other times? Do you remember? Um, yeah, actually, uh, Josh and Scotty O'Shea in the I Quit match. Oh, and, didn't tell. Okay, so at the time, this is when Josh, uh, and actually before that, I should probably tell the funny story of the, the photo at my wedding because it was like something that um, got us in. I don't know if you were there when we got in a little bit of trouble for that. Because at the time I was leading Alpha One against Josh's virus. Oh, I was there for the virus, yeah. So we did. <laughs> so I had just cut this fiery promo about bringing in Matt Riddle to kill Josh in the middle of the ring, and two weeks later <laughs> we're hugging each other at my wedding. Um, and it's <laughs> it's like, oh, guys, come on! Everybody knows, come on. But it's but. Um, Josh and Scotty O'Shea during that run did the I quit match and Josh had had the neck injury and he, he, he faked me out because he, he went down and he clutched his neck and he stopped. And when he stopped and grabbed his neck, I stopped and yeah. I couldn't tell because they had really blurred the line in this match. I mean, they had taken the, the ring canvas back and they were doing some pretty gnarly stuff. And I saw that and I thought, oh, this isn't good. This is not good. And when Scotty stopped and sold it, they had, and you know, when you can get the commentator, you've got everybody. They had me hook, line, and sinker. I was legitimately scared that something bad had happened. Thank mm -hmm. God that it was all part of the the match but that one absolutely stopped me on a dime uh and the other one was uh bmd took a bad chair shot and for people who, who don't know um bmd and and they probably know his wife tori now from all their twitch streaming she grew up with celine 
So they've been friends from way back and BMD and I become very close friends as you've probably seen with the let's talk bud web show. He yeah. took a nasty one and he was like down and out outside the ring. And that was another one where I'm like, okay, so like one of my best friends is down. I can't tell if he's hurt. I've got to finish calling this match, but I want to run over there yeah. and find out, just check if he's okay. So I got a hold of, uh, was it Justin Sane was standing next to me at commentary? I think it was Justin. And I grabbed him and I said, can you check on BMD for me? Justin is a beauty of a guy. Runs over, looks down. He, I could see him mouth something to BMD. BMD mouthed something back. And Justin turned and gave me the thumbs up. So we didn't sell it, but he was kind enough to go over and do that. And it was like, okay, mm-hmm. I just needed to make sure that like my buddy's not like out of it. Yeah. That's scary for sure. And like even going back to Josh, there's been a couple times where that freaked me out too, where he would sell his neck. Freaks yeah. me out every time he does that. Just knowing the story and, and seeing how hard he's worked to get to where he is, that anytime he sells the neck, and I know that that you know it's it's pro wrestling. You're, you're gonna have to sell the neck. Everybody mm-hmm. knows the story, but every time he does it, I get kind of on edge, I get a little uncomfortable. Just from being there, I think if you weren't part of the the roster, and of course I've known Josh from the, the moment I walked in the, the door at Alpha One, um, if you weren't there and hadn't watched the journey that he's been on, or, or like you have, have been such a massive part of it, you you wouldn't know it, but it's it's just one of those things that I, I still, oh, it, it just... I, I, I don't like it. I get very uncomfortable when my friend yeah. is selling his neck like that. And I know the yeah. history and ah, I just, oh, no, <laughs> I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I know he's got to do it, but I don't like it. It's like Ricky and death matches. I, uh, I can't, I can't watch. I it. can't watch Ricky with death matches. He's insane. It's crazy. Like it's good. Not, crazy. But like, I can't. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no. I, it, it's, it's funny because I think if I wasn't such close friends with him, well, no, that's not because I don't. I don't like death matches to begin with. In in that sense, with mm-hmm. the glass and all the light, too. I just I can't do those. But then to watch one of your really good friends do it, uh, I'm just so scared something bad's going to happen to him. And I don't yeah. even want to put that out there. But every time I see it, it's like, oh, Ricky's ha- having success. Great. Is it a death match? I can't watch it. I cannot. <laughs> anything else, I'll watch him do. I cannot watch that. And I've told him that. A number of times that I, I love you, buddy, but I, I I cannot watch you do those. But he's so good at it too, though. That's and the he thing. knows he knows how to take care of himself. That's the thing. And I'm I'm talking about like as a whole, like obviously yeah. him doing his thing out there, but also like taking care of his wounds as well. Yes, like he's not stupid about it. Yes, he he is. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna take those risks, the calculated risks that he does. You, you need to understand the gravity of it and, and how to take care of it. And luckily he does. I'm very thankful for that. I just, he's so good in the ring that I, I, I still wish he didn't do it. But at the same time, I see the, the absolute joy he gets out of doing it and how he tells the stories that mm-hmm. if that's what he wants to do, that's what he's got to do. That's right. Okay. Let's break away from um, injuries. <laughs> 
Sorry about that. I totally from, sidetracked from, us from images that make us makes us cringe. Yeah. yeah um, let's, <laughs> let's take it to pizza. Okay. Our number two, this or that is deep dish or thin crust. Thin crust. Same. Yeah. I'm. Uh, have you? Well, have you been to Chicago? I have not been to Chicago. I uh, there is a place in Hamilton that does very authentic Chicago deep dish style pizza. Um, eventually, I will go to Chicago and try it there just to be sure. I'm not a deep dish fan. I just I can't can't do it. Same. I just I don't know what it is. I don't know. Uh, it's hard. You like you can't even explain it, right? No, I, I there's just I can't. something about it you don't like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, you get the thin crust and it, it seems like it's proportional. Everything makes sense. You get the deep dish and something just doesn't work. I don't know if it's, if it's like a, a texture thing or a toppings thing or whatever it is, but like, I just cannot make that work. I think for me too, is thin crust is much more easy to eat. Yes. But for me, it's better that I don't have a lot of bread because I just fill up on bread easily. Same. So yeah, thin crust, thin crust. Okay. The next one is have no Wi-Fi or have no music. Oh, <laughs> oh. that is. I think I'm going to go with, uh, I, I would take, I would take have no Wi-Fi and keep the music. I think. Wow. That's impressive. I think, I think I would have to, yeah, I think I would have to go that way. What's your, uh, type of genre? Oh, country music. Country all the way. Oh Yeah. Oh, it, wait till you guys see where we live. I mean, I'm I'm a straw hat and a banjo away from coming <laughs> off the set of Hee Haw. Like there is there is nothing around us. Like there there we're in a small town and if you go 10 minutes on any side, it's grass and maybe a farmer's field. I love it. To live out in the country, yeah, so nice. Quiet, private, you don't have to deal with neighbors. We're, we're not quite to that point yet, but that's the goal. <laughs> and then we can just invite the people we want at our house to come to our house. Nice. Yes. Okay. The next one is ride a motorbike or drive a collection car. Oh, collection car. What kind of car? Uh, it depends on the time frame. Oh, wow. I don't know enough about cars to talk about that. Give, give me a 1970 <laughs> Plymouth Super B with the big wing on the back like Richard Petty drove. Yeah, I have no idea, but I'm going to assume it's a pretty car. It It is. It is quite nice. And to find one now that's in drivable condition, you're probably talking about a quarter to half a million American. Jeez. Yeah, they, they were only made for a year or two, and they're like such gorgeous American muscle cars. If I had to pick something current day, give me the Bond Aston Martin Vantage. I don't know that one either. <laughs> oh, it's the beauty. It's it, Aston Martin in England. They're so nice. Okay, I trust you, Reed. I, I grew up a NASCAR fan, so I've always like been into cars. 
That yeah, okay. I think I knew that with NASCAR. Okay. The final this or that. This is a really important one. Are you ready, Reed? Uh-oh. All right. All right. Are you yep. sure? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Oh dear God. <laughs> I don't think I listened to either one of them. Uh <laughs> Oh boy, hang on a you sec. You for sure have. You cannot tell me that you listen to country music and not at least like oh, I, I'm sure one I, of their I, songs. I'm sure I've heard them. I don't think that I owned any of their actual CDs. But eh, you maybe, had to have liked maybe. a song or two. Uh you know what? I think I think I would go with uh I gotta keep in sync because Justin Timberlake ends up doing a wicked song with Chris Stapleton. So just on that alone, <laughs> they win. Okay. And I don't know how many other members there are, four or five other members. Five. The, okay, the rest of them are just, just icing on top. That oh, one geez. song is worth keeping those guys. All right. Fine. I'll give that to you. Why would you go Backstreet Boys? I would, yes. Okay, why, were, why would you, why would you go um, with them? The, they're my like first boy band love. Slins too. Okay. See, we know this we is all know. making sense now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that does it for this or that. Let's talk about Jet. So I randomly. Not so random, but I messaged you and I said, Reed, I need you to be the voice of mine and Jet's match. Yep. Yep. And you were completely surprised. And might I say that only you knew, only Von Vertigo knew, and Shane Saber knew. So it was only the three of you guys. So not even Josh didn't even know this was all a surprise for him as well. And he watched the video the same time that it got put up on Twitter. <laughs> what were you, your thoughts? Like, did you watch it a couple times before you did the commentary? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause the way that, uh, and Vertigo did an unbelievable job. Oh uh, my gosh. Did he ever, the way he edited it, it was so quick. It looked so good. Yes. I kind of <laughs> up my call a little bit. Cause I thought I, Usually calling a match, I off the top, I get into more of a, a story on it. And the way Vertigo did it, um, it made perfect sense. But it just meant I had to speed up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I had to watch it a couple times to get my rhythm with it. And then what a blast. I mean, that the other problem was doing it and not chuckling or because some <laughs> of it was just so fantastic that like it, it was hard to to not really just break out laughing and you can see that jet is having such a good time doing it that that was and you were too and it was absolutely infectious the whole time i'm calling it i'm smiling and uh, i i enjoyed every second of it I, and yeah when vertigo sent me the, the video file i watched it immediately i thought oh this is going to be so much fun to call <laughs> so I, yeah. I, yeah that was great that was a brilliant idea thank you we had to cut it short because twitter only allows like two minutes and i think it was like two minutes 20 seconds for their videos yeah yeah so, that's i mean great. yep 
unless you have like an obscene amount of followers, then you could do, you know, longer videos, but I do not. And so we had two minutes and 20 minutes or two minutes and 20 seconds to play with. And yeah, Vertigo cut it beautifully. It was just absolutely perfect. He showed me a rough copy and it was over 220. So he's like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to cut a, a couple seconds off. And after I watched it, I'm like, good luck figuring out where you got to cut. Cause I cannot oh. tell you <laughs> where, cause that's too hard. Yeah. It, that that would, yeah. I, I don't envy the editing on that. Cause you, you wouldn't want to cut anything out. I mean, that was just so good that it, it, Vertigo did a, a spectacular job pulling that off because if that had been me, I can edit video sort of at a, a remedial level. Vertigo's a pro. And He's so good. Oh yeah. And trying to cut anything out of that would have been just a, a nightmare. And I know how good Vertigo, I did uh, uh, his last match in the last season of Backyard Pro. And he, he just, the stuff he can do with editing and video is just awesome. I mean, I, yes. I have had such a good time watching that, but what he did with the video with Jet was, I can't say enough good things about it. And the, 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 the cherry on it for me was Jet's entrance and <laughs> Josh's music. That was so good. It was just, I didn't know it was coming when I watched it the first time. I should have probably guessed. But and then he comes out in the the walking weapon singlet. It was in the headgear. It was absolutely <laughs> perfect. And that was the part the first time I watched it when I went, okay, I'm gonna have to try not to crack up when that happens. And when I called it, I just sort of powered through because I knew I was gonna lose it as soon as I saw him walk out with the grin, the, yeah. the, the headgear to the music. Too good. Too good. Oh, he was so cute. He was such a little devil that day, too. <laughs> you know what? He's going to be trouble. I, I can I can see uh, I can see an X Division championship reign in his future. Oh, man. He practices every day. Let me tell you. Oh, we watch the videos. It's, it's <laughs> hilarious. He's pretty athletic. Like, it surprises me how athletic he is. He's already better than some guys I've seen on YouTube. <laughs> Not going to name any names, but he is already <laughs> advanced for his age. He's wild. <laughs> he he might, about, have to, might have to work on his submissions a little bit. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's definitely. <laughs> but hey, I got out of his ankle lock easily. You did. Impressive. So I needed that. Yeah, I, I needed that. How many people can say they broke the ankle lock of a guy wearing a singlet and headgear? I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying. Let's jump to another game, my rapid fire game, where I name a simple move and you name the first wrestler that pops into your head. Oh, okay. I like this. I like this. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. First one is dropkick. Uh, Brad Armstrong. Super kick. Chris Adams. Choke slam. Ooh, Ricky Shane Page. Oh, I like that. DDT. Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. German suplex. 
Oh, Kurt Angle. Moon Salt. Great Muda. And Powerbomb. Uh, Sid Vicious. Nice, nice. You have this huge knowledge of wrestling. I, I like to think that I do. Did you, you used to watch it, you'd say, religiously back then? Oh, yeah. So you started off watching WCW, was it? Um, or WWF a, first? A little, a, little bit, uh, a little bit of WWF because uh, uh, my guy was, was uh, Randy Savage. But outside of him, our house was the only one on the block that got the super stations. So I had TBS. So the first one that I remember watching as like every week got to be in front of the TV was Saturday night, WCW. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that I was, I was a WCW fan first and foremost. See, you don't hear that often. No, especially in Canada, as I found out. I remember all my friends when we were kids were watching the WWF and I was watching WCW. Uh, I always thought it was the, the, the better product, except for the Russo era, which I'm still not over, but that's okay. It'll, it'll pass with time. <laughs> but um, I, I always enjoyed it better than, than WWF. Outside of a, a couple of things, I mean, Bret Hart, obviously Canadian. Uh, Randy Savage, who then would go to WCW 94. Um, but outside of those kind of guys, uh, I, I always liked WCW better. I just thought it was a better show. Yeah, it was good. You know, just like most people, I was WWF first. And then I think it was, was it Saturday, Saturday mornings or something for WCW? That's when yeah. my grandfather, my grandfather started watching. And then got my dad into it. And so then we started watching both of them religiously after that. I think I watched uh, WWF Superstars pretty regularly because they had it on CHTV out of Hamilton. And that was cool because he got some interviews and stuff for the Canadian markets that they didn't get in the States. So that was always fun. But yeah, WCW on Saturday morning, Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon for main event. I always watched all three of those and they were, they were always just so much, even through all the talent changes in WCW, I, I really enjoyed them. And then you got to the NWO era where mm-hmm. I, I was bought into the NWO lock, stock and barrel. And then <laughs> after WCW closed. So it's funny cause uh, you know, I, listening to Scott Demore last week and his involvement with impact, um, I was the guy that they were talking about at the beginning. So when WCW closed, I was 13 going on 14. I, after the the start of the invasion, when they mixed ECW in and they watered it down and Steve Austin and Kurt Angle went to the, the Alliance side and they brought Shane and Stephanie. I stopped watching. I stopped watching uh, wrestling. I, I was the guy they were talking about the search for the lost WCW fan. And it was actually NWA TNA at the time that got me back into wrestling. So, cause it was the closest thing I had seen to WCW. And, uh, it, it was just, I can't watch week. I couldn't watch weekly WWF programming from probably 1996 on. Mm-hmm. I just never did. Oh, 
can't remember when I stopped watching. I want to say, I guess, 2003 on. Ah, uh, the Triple H era. R- the tr- no. Was it? Wasn't that, wasn't that when okay, he really maybe took maybe two thousand? Oh, was that was that when he had Evolution? I remember watching some of Evolution because they had the Motorhead theme song that I thought was cool. Yeah, but oh, I stopped watching for like a while. <sighs> like I'd say through two thousand eight. Oh yeah, I couldn't even tell you. Who would have been on the roster in 2008? 2008, 2009, I think I stopped watching. I think the only things I'd even watch online would be if The Undertaker showed up. Yeah. I just, and I know I, I tried. I even tried. I turned it on and I tried watching it and I just, I couldn't. I couldn't get back into it. Because it wasn't what you remembered anymore. It had become yeah. something totally different. Yeah. And the reason what got me into it was NXT. That they, okay. they started up NXT and and only because you know they started using um, indie guys. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, I like this brand better. And then I watched NXT a lot, and then NXT actually got me back into WWE. Oh, okay. So you watching it regularly now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I watched some NXT. I'm still out on the main rosters. I, I don't watch Raw or SmackDown, um, but I watch AEW, Impact, and New Japan. Ooh, what, what did you think of Josh's match? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> that he pulled out Chaos Theory on his debut in New Japan. If if I'm New Japan brass, I'm like that's I'm signing him like right now. <laughs> Done done if you can do that move you're you're on my roster because that is it louder they need to hear it yeah exactly <laughs> right sign this man please exactly. exactly i will buy all the merchandise i promise you. <laughs> sign him sign him now uh, you're good I, people <laughs> well, i will too it like it's i think i've got like two or three pictures on my instagram wearing josh alexander's shirts Um, I, I I actually, it was funny because after I saw Josh do chaos theory and impact, I messaged him because I tried doing that at a wrestling tournament once, Mm. like as a, as a shoot trying to, I I could never get it to work. Let's talk about your amateur wrestling for a bit. All right. (laughs) What age did you wrestle? Uh, oh, geez. When did I start? Nine, 10 through high school. Oh, holy crap. Yeah. Did you want to become a wrestler? Like, oh God. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. When I was, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pro. Absolutely. Um, you know, eight concussions later playing hockey and a, and a bad, and a bad knee. No chance. I mean, if I even tried to get into the ring, Salin will kill me. So there's, there's no way that that's ever going to happen. But I, I always thought that, um, I, I always imitated like Ric Flair promos, Randy Savage promos, Dusty Rhodes promos. I always thought I could talk. And, uh, at one point I, I wanted to be a manager, but 
I have more fun doing the commentary where I can be involved in everything mm-hmm. as opposed to just managing one angle or, or one issue. Um, but yeah, I, I think like any kid who watched it, yeah, I would have loved to have done it. And then, you know, you see a guy like a, a Kurt Angle who shows up and I was a huge fan of him from the 96 Olympics winning in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see an amateur wrestler show up and it's like, well, you think as a, as a you know, at that time when he debuted, I would have been 10 or 11. You think, yeah. geez, he's an amateur wrestler. I could do this. And then you realize he's a gold medal amateur wrestler. There's a big difference there. <laughs> I'm some schmuck training in a gym in Hamilton. He's actually winning gold medals at the Olympics. And trust me, no matter how good you are, when you get in with guys who are at that level, like some really good friends of mine have been MMA fighters, and you goof around with them in the gym, it doesn't matter how good you are. I took a leg kick from Lyndon Whitlock one time at like 30%. I thought my leg was going to fall off. <laughs> like You remember where you are on the food chain really quickly. <laughs> when you get in with those guys and yeah, I don't know that I ever, especially cause I'm only, you know, five foot eight. I don't know that I ever could have had any real success, um, as a, as a wrestler, um, outside of running my big mouth that, that probably would have been my only, my only shot. Do you have any videos of you doing amateur wrestling? Oh, I don't. My parents might. You need to pull out pictures. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I know I've I know they've got pictures because my dad was at a few of my actual wrestling meets, but um I don't know if we have if we don't have video, I think I might know somebody, a, a coach who might. Um I'll have to ask him. But yeah, it, it, I, I always enjoyed it. And like even when we didn't have an official team, I would go to a, a gym to do it. Um, it was always fun, but Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, again, I don't know that I ever would have been, I mean, I was decent, but I don't know that I ever would have been good enough to do it like at a collegiate level or certainly not at at a national level. I was just one of those guys that was, you know, understood it and probably better talking about it than doing it. See, and that's, that's also where, you know, you've, fuel your knowledge is because you did the amateur wrestling so you know like all the holds you know everything about the whole aspect of wrestling and it just you know just makes you freaking amazing Reed. well makes you you. amazing one one of the things i used to get in trouble for is because i I did a lot of uh catch wrestling training because at at one point like you realize okay where where are you going to go if you're not going to go collegiate or like olympic level with amateur wrestling which i like again underline i definitely was not um catch wrestling is awesome because you learn all the submissions so if you're ever in a tight spot you you can pull out an arm bar or uh, a double wrist lock or anything like that and you can get yourself out of trouble if necessary so that's kind of where i wanted to go from there um uh, you know, looking back at it now, I wish I had gone into a little bit more of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu side as well. Uh, maybe there's still time. I mean, I'm still in the early 30s, so maybe I could still uh, do something there. But the catch wrestling was fun because I learned so many submissions. The only problem was then I would go home and try them on my brother, who's four years younger than me. <laughs> so I'd slap a submission on him, and then 
he would get upset about it. And then my dad would come down, who's a former RCMP officer. And he would give me the old one arm behind the back cop routine. And yeah, dad's got a grip like a freaking vice. So it's like, all right, I give, I give, I give. That's so interesting. I had zero idea that you did amateur wrestling and just listening to all of this. It makes sense. It makes sense of how great you are and how, what we were talking about, imagination. Yep. It's just you tie everything together. But it's why I, I so much appreciate, again, I'll go back to, to Josh in the ring. And when he gets guys down on the mat, he goes through, it looks like he's really trying to get somebody to tap out, even if he's not got them in a submission. I mean, it's submission through fear. And it, it looks like that kind of style that I always was drawn to. I love guys who will take it to the mat and make it look a little bit more like the amateur style catch wrestling. Can I get you in the double wrist lock? Can I get you front chancery and just bury you down in the mat? That, it, that looks fun to me. I, I enjoy those matches and seeing the counters to the counters. Uh, another, I was a big fan of, of William Regal for that exact reason. And that's something else I would have loved to have learned is the English catch style because the, the counters that they have are ridiculous. The guys that came out of that Blackpool circuit uh, and I know that they weren't just wrestling for a sport. They were wrestling for their lives in some cases. Read William Regal's book. And uh, those guys have a knowledge of it that's even beyond, I think, what a lot of people in North America have. And I'd love to learn more of that stuff. So you guys always learning. Even though you work for the OHL, even though you do commentary for wrestling, Reed is still learning and he still wants to learn. And that's something that, you know, it's hard to find in people. People always, you know, you get comfortable at a certain point where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good here. I'm just going to keep it here. But Reed, you're the type of person that just wants to keep learning and wants to keep getting better. Uh, that's that's the goal. I mean, that's the goal I set out for myself. Is every time I go on the microphone, I want to be better than I was the time before. That's it's it's the only way you're gonna get better. And I've always said too, if you ever think you have the perfect broadcast, retire. Because where do you go from there? There is no such thing as a perfect broadcast. You're always gonna screw something up. So just be better every time you go out. It's not always gonna happen, but that's the goal that uh, that I put in front of myself. I mean, there's been nights coming back. <laughs> on the Bulldogs bus where I'll be sitting in, in my, uh, my seat and just thinking, man, did I screw that one up? And no one else will have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but to me, it's like, I like that power play rotation. I screwed up two of the guys with the puck. And those are the things that like, you always want to get better at. Lori, you are amazing. And before we go, I have one last game to play because you are so good at them. <laughs> All right. We are going to do my Survivor Series game. You are going to choose four other broadcasters, commentators that you would want on your squad. So it could be anyone, anyone from 
pro wrestling, hockey, independence, whoever you want on your team to build this big commentary group. group? Oh, I don't my. want to say group. Oh, a better word. Squad. Well, bro- broadcast squad. team. Broadcast team. Broadcast team. There you go. Simple. Oh boy. Do they do they have to do they have to be alive? No, no. Um, Fred Cusick. He's the reason I got into play by play. He was the voice of the Boston Bruins from the 1960s to 1995, 96 when they moved into the new building. He Ooh. was the voice that I grew up with. And to this day, I still have a collection of games. Uh, that I've been able to get a hold of from the old WSBK feeds or Nesson feeds. And I still watch him back with my dad, who's a, who's a huge Bruins fan. He's the reason I'm a, I'm a Bruins fan. And it's just amazing to go back and listen to how good he was at it. He, he was my original inspiration for it. So Fred Cusick would, would have to be there. Um, Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. Um, without listening to those two calling wrestling as a kid, I, Definitely wouldn't be calling wrestling now. Uh, they were my favorite too. Um, even after JR went to WWF, anytime I'd listen to something WWF, uh, he was just, he was, he's the best. And Tony's right there with him. Uh, Tony, when WCW closed and Tony was gone for so many years, that was just horrible. I, I always wanted him to show up again in Impact or something. I'm so glad he's with AEW now. Uh, a fourth, a fourth. Uh, fourth <laughs> there's a few names i could go with um i am going to so on a, on a personal selection i'm gonna go with todd crocker who does the toronto marlies the toronto maple leafs ahl team he mm-hmm. did the ahl bulldogs before i did the ohl bulldogs he oh. became a uh, mentor for me um, that I was able to turn to as a, as a really young broadcaster who thought I knew best. And in talking to Todd, I realized I didn't know Jack. <laughs> and I needed that at the time. And his advice to me over the years has been absolutely invaluable. So I- I've never had anything but love for Todd Crocker. Um, he just, he's the nice, I think he still lives in Ancaster. Actually, he, he is the nice, one of the nicest people you could meet. I did again, unfortunately, when his father passed away, I filled in for him for a game with the Toronto Marlies called it on Leafs TV. And after the end of that season, the Toronto Marlies won the AHL championship to call their cup because of that. And, and me filling in for one game. He brought the Calder Cup when he had his day with the actual trophy to my parents' house because Aww. he believed that we needed to share that moment. Oh. Yeah, that was one that um, that I, I will definitely never forget. Uh, he didn't have to do that. Um, there, was, there was no need for him to do that. I was just... Uh, obviously gutted for the circumstances, not the way I wanted to to do a Marley's game, but I, I was appreciative that he thought of me in an emergency to fill in like this. This guy will will do 
this broadcast justice. He can step in and, yeah. and bat for me in this spot. But then to share that moment, he has one day with that trophy and that he would drive it to my parents' house to share that was really something that, um, that I'll always appreciate. So I think I got to go with him as my fourth. Nice. And what, what did your, um, what did your dad say? Like he was probably blown away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he couldn't get over when Todd got out of his van. He's got that. It's a big, heavy trophy and, mm. and he's got that. And he brought that down to, to, so that it could be with my family, even for, uh, I mean, he was there probably the better part of an hour and just to have that moment with it was, yeah, my dad was blown away. I was blown away. I mean, knowing Todd, I can't say that I'm surprised because he, he is such a great guy, but that he still would think to do that with his one day with that trophy. Uh, yeah, my dad's still over the moon about it. We all got pictures with it. Uh, is, I think they're probably up on my social media. Uh, it, it was so cool. I made sure to get one with me and Todd, which is funny because he's like a foot and a half. T- well, everyone's a foot and a half taller than me, but <laughs> he's like a foot and a half taller than me. And we're both holding this trophy. So it's, it, it was really neat. It was really neat. Oh, that's sweet. Well, Reed, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story with me. I hope, oh. I hope, I know Ontario is going to be slow at getting, you know, back to the way it was, but I hope to hear your voice like throughout more U.S. independence. Um, I know you said you have more Glory Pro yep. shows coming up. Yep. Ju- that July, makes me happy. July 25th and August 22nd. Amazing. Amazing. We need to hear more of you. I, I'm always uh, open if people want <laughs> to uh, bring me on to do commentary, especially now in the, the world that we live in where you can sit thousands of miles away from something and call it over video for a, a post-production. Um, you, you know, I, you don't have to fly me in. I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not very uh, high maintenance in that regard. If you want me to do it <laughs> sitting in front of my computer, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, I just, I love the opportunity to work with different people and, and uh, be a part of, of the, the wrestling scene. It's, it's something that, you know, I grew up watching and it's surreal that uh, I'm able to do it. I got to say too, it is surreal to be sitting here talking to you on a podcast and that we're friends because 15 years ago, I would go to ROH shows to like <laughs> boo the heck out of your, uh, your faction. Yes. Not for me though. Right? No, not you. <laughs> you were horribly mistreated by Jimmy Ray. Thank you. <laughs> yes. That was terrible. That was, te- I hated the embassy, hated them when they brought in a bit. I was a generation next guy when they brought in abyss and those guys. No, were no. You, wait, were you, were you there for that show? Oh Yeah. So the Chicago show? No, the uh, the one it was the night before, not Steel Cage Warfare. Yeah, Ohio. Man, you drove all the way to Ohio. I used to drive three hours to go see Demore's BCW shows. Well, yeah, they're good. I was there the night um, Raven won the NWA title. That's so funny. So you never told me this before. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know. Oh yeah. Anytime. If ROH was just across the border, we'd go. If it was, um, Ohio's not that far. Ohio's not that far. Um, 
I could I couldn't convince anybody to go to Chicago. Um, but Ohio's not that bad. Buffalo, it was in Buffalo. Um, and then yeah, the the BCW shows. Uh, that's where I met like Divine, uh, AMW, uh, EY. It's it's funny seeing them all now coming back into Impact or in, in a couple of their cases off doing other things or even on your show. And it's mm. like, wow, I haven't like seen those guys in person in like 15 years. That's crazy. I can't believe you've never told me this before. <laughs> I thought I, I, I remember talking to Abyss about it when he was in alpha one and he said the same thing like you went all the way across the yes yes i was hooked <laughs> roh had me hooked at that time roh and, and tna had me hook line and sinker in that era and mm-hmm. i i would have gone anywhere to to see those shows 2000 and i you know what i say the same thing 2005 was so much fun it was a lot of fun for wrestling oh yeah that the the generation next embassy feud when Alex Shelley got kicked out and then Seidel comes in and I mean I like Jack Evans and Roderick Strong are my favorite tag team in wrestling at that point doing all the crazy ode to the Bulldogs the backflip off the torture rack backbreaker like that stuff was nuts and and then seeing this horrible evil faction with Prince Nana trying to take out my guys no (laughs) no I mean I I uh, you know, I, I know, obviously, at that point, I'm old enough to know what wrestling is. I was still, like, totally invested into it. It was, it was good. Like, it, I, was. It, was the, it was the best time for me. Like, even leading up to it, like, all my time in Border City Wrestling, so much fun. So, I guess, like, my super early years, really good. That was the, fr- BCW is the first place I saw you. Oh, really? So, yep. in Michigan or in Windsor? Windsor. Was I with A1? Uh, yeah, you had to have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you weren't you weren't on International Incident. No. Because that was the last time I saw A1 before he was like full-time with TNA. When he came in as like the enforcer for Team Canada. And it's, yeah. holy crap, they found a guy bigger than Bobby Roode. But um, <laughs> before that, I had seen you with him through bcw and yeah. then in roh with rave and and that crew uh yeah it just that that was so terrible like i always thought like if you could only get away and like valet for generation <laughs> next the world would be all right and then ta-da oh i know i was like losing <laughs> my mind yeah no that's still that whole storyline that that and the uh, Bullet Club run were the last two times that ROH really had me just, like, I would have gone anywhere to watch the show. Well, Reed, thanks for, thanks for being a fan of it. Hey, you, you, had, me, uh, you had me right from the beginning. So it's, it's, it is very cool to, uh, to be such close friends with you now after uh, having seen you for so long. <laughs> I, was, I, I was nervous to talk to you the first time you were in A1. Why? I have no idea because you were, you were, you were like, I know, (laughs) I know you were like the big star. Oh God. Okay. Slow down there. Oh, come on. Come on. Go around a one at that time. None of us had gone anywhere yet. Oh, please. (laughs) 
I don't, I don't even think the monster mafia had been to ROH by that point. Yeah, of course they have. By the first time you were in alpha one. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Cause I was, I was with Josh when I started with a one and that oh, their geez, whole ring of honor thing started before. Yeah, you're right too. I didn't know you guys were already together the first time you were there. Not a lot of people did. Okay. Well, that, that goes, <laughs> that's happened a couple of times. <laughs> well, we weren't like super, I don't want to say we weren't super public about it, but we weren't, you know, like lovey dovey or anything. I don't even think you guys were on the same. Well, of course now granted I'm at commentary for most of the show. When I saw you guys, I don't even think you guys were in the same part of the, the room. Oh, probably not. No, yeah, because I only see you like for the meeting, right? Yeah. So it's like really brief before because you're busy getting your notes together and like or doing promos or whatever. And then I see you after the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm that's that's the thing is everybody talks to me. Well, didn't you hear what happened in the back? And I like, no. <laughs> oh, poor me. <laughs> Like, I've had a couple of times where they've changed matches on me because somebody didn't show up and it's like, you didn't know I haven't left. Aww. I've been sitting in this chair for the last two and a half hours. Where do you want me to, how am I supposed to find this out? <laughs> well, Reed, thank you so much guys. We need Reed in the States. Like we need to get his voice everywhere. Reed, can you tell us where we could find you on your socials? Absolutely. Uh, great thing is they're both the same. So um, Twitter and Instagram are both at RC Duthie. And that's D-U-T-H-I-E. Just because I know most people misspell my last name. It's like James Duthie from TSN, not related, unfortunately. There, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, at RC Duthie on, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm easy to get a hold of. And uh, you'll probably see, I mean, mainly my feed is talking about sports whether it's mma wrestling hockey baseball whatever and i think that's the majority of listeners anyway so see follow reed he's perfect to follow perfect to listen to reed thank you so much i really appreciate it i can't even talk right now i really appreciate it until then guys see you next tuesday